never sleep again. Is a learning experience. Yes, I know. And hello, everyone. Welcome back to Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 Podcast. He is Will, and I am Sam, and we welcome you back for another week of talking about movies uh, that ca- came after two other movies. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to put it. And it's another Will Morey selection this week. So it's weird and uh, a little disappointing. <laughs> you're getting better every week. You're getting better. Uh, w- this is this is your journey, and I'm I'm grateful to be on it with you. Uh, this week we watched a Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. <laughs> We're the Dream Warriors. Oh yeah. Don't want to dream no more. <laughs> oh yeah. Fuck yeah, Dokken. <laughs> They're actually in the credits, not like Batman Forever. No, this is this is it, it's this is a. Pre- I mean, say whatever what you will, whatever else. It's got a sick theme song. That song fucking rips. It just rips. The Dream Warriors themselves do not live do up not. to the hype of their theme song. <laughs> no, they do not. If I'm being perfectly honest, they go down pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into it. This is a movie that uh, promises a lot and delivers very little. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the it's heart's in the right place. It's yeah. I get what they're going for, and it is uh, definitely like one of the quintessential sets the tone for the franchise movies. Yeah. So uh, to uh, for a little background, uh, Nightmare on Elm, a Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, it came out in 1984, and it, it's. Uh, was written and directed by Wes Craven, who at that point was already a big name in horror. He'd already done uh, Last House on the Left. He'd done The Hills Have Eyes. And I think he had been in a little bit of a slump before then. And then he teamed up with then very indie studio New Line Cinema uh, to make this kind of out there like twist on slasher movies. Because at this point, the slasher genre was already like, kind of peaking and the studios were starting to be like embarrassed that they were successful <laughs> off of them. So they, I think 84 is when they did uh Friday the 13th part four, the final chapter where they killed Jason the first time around. And Halloween was uh Halloween was in its uh, dormant state after um season of the witch. They hadn't brought back <laughs> Michael Myers. So Freddie it's nightmare on Elm street for those of you that don't know is about a child murderer who was killed by the mob, and he comes back as a burned dream demon who gets revenge on the pe- the parents that murdered him by killing their children in their dreams. In their dreams. So don't fall asleep. And, you know, probably the most famous character in horror cinema that isn't, yeah. like, Dracula. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, he yeah, he's up there on, like, the... the you know, great movie monsters and part, you know, up there with definitely with, you know, with Jason in the same period. Um, and, you know, even Michael Myers to a certain extent, although, you know, we've talked about Michael Myers a lot and how he kind of doesn't fit into the mold, even though everyone shoves him in there. But... Well, Michael, you know, has the benefit of he has like the best movie. If they're like fantasy football <laughs> teams, he's the guy that like got to draft first 
So right. we got like yeah. the best player, but then it's kind of a big drop off after that. And then Jason's consistently your like <laughs> fourth best pl- uh, player. Like they're, they're not good. Friday the 13th movies aren't good, but they are consistent. And then the Nightmare movies are interesting because I think there's less of them than the other ones. And they, uh, than the other franchises, there's less nightmares than there are Halloween's or uh, Jason movies. I think right. of like the big ones, and they don't have a ton of reboots. Uh, they've been kind of off. They haven't made a lot of new stuff with Freddy in recent years. Yeah. And the big difference, I think, is that the main villain is a character. Like he has a personality, right? And that's yeah. that, and and it and he has supernatural abilities, and there's a lot more. The visuals and the production are much more imaginative. Even before Freddy became like the wisecracking antihero, you know, right. the the Deadpool of horror. You know, he still li- had like this inventive dream world that he lived in, full of like you know, he controlled the environment and. It was much more effects heavy than you would find in uh, Halloween or Friday the 13th. It was much more on the level of like an Evil Dead or a Hellraiser on that that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives filmmakers just sort of carte blanche to do whatever wild things they want. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen the Rennie Harlan uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think is Four or is it five? That is four, the Dream Master. Right. And five is Dream Child. That's directed by Stephen Hopkins, who did uh, The Ghost in the Darkness and oh, Predator yeah, yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah. And Predator yeah. 2. Um, so, but, uh, but I know that Rennie Harlan like, took a lot of inspiration from a Chinese ghost story and like sort of a lot of like, uh, you know, Asian um, martial arts, supernatural stuff. And like, Freddy kind of gives them the ability to do that. You can't sort of take that stylistic approach to a Michael Myers or, uh, uh, you know, or Jason. I mean, you could, but it would just be so far out of bounds. And I mean, it would be uh, Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Or even Freddy versus Jason, which was directed by a Hong Kong action director. (laughs) Freddy versus Jason is still still half a Freddy movie, if nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that yeah. movie rules. I don't care what it is. Says. It is so That movie fun. is, is so, so much fun. better than it has any right to be. Consider, like, you think of every movie that's ever lived in development hell for 10, 20 <laughs> years and how it kind of ended up sort of flopping onto the screen. That movie is, it's miles from perfect. It's barely even good, but it is so much fun. Yeah. And, and I think a big a big part of that, as it is with almost every Nightmare movie, a big part of that is Robert Englund. Robert Englund, just a character actor. He'd been in a bunch of small parts, and then he got cast, I think he was like a Broadway guy, and Mm -hmm. he got cast as Freddy Krueger in A Nightmare on Elm Street, and they very wisely knew to bring him back for part two and then onward, and Freddy Krueger is inseparable from that performance. Yeah. Like, Robert Englund... There, like I, there are very few characters that I believe can only be played by one actor. Like I really think that if you're doing Freddy Krueger, you need Robert Englund, or you at least need the best deep fake you can get. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Because they tried, they tried with a different actor, and Jackie Earl Haley is as good a casting choice as you could possibly make, but it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, yeah I mean, I didn't. I, I think I tried watching the remake at one point and I just, 
I couldn't get through it. I mean, and part of it was just that it, it did the thing that a lot of these horror remakes do, where it just sort of is the original movie just with modern special effects. And it just, I, it was like, what is this bringing to the table that I need, you know? Well, they try this whole fake out for the first half where it may be that Freddy was falsely accused. And they also make it that the thing he's accused of isn't murder, it's just molestation, which somehow oh, okay. feels, makes you feel weirder. Uh, <laughs> and I think the big problem that, I think they, and this this isn't Jackie Earl Haley's fault, they designed the makeup to be a more realistic burn effect. So he kind of oh. looked like uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. Like he has like no real <laughs> nose or lips. And he kind of just, like he kind of, his mouth is always in like that turned down like beaker from the Muppets thing. Right. So it just right. kind of limited his expressiveness. And, you know, uh, they, they've said that like they designed Freddy's skin, Freddy, the original Freddy Krueger skin to kind of just look like the surface of a pizza and right. like, like the cheese all stretched out. And that's, and that's not a real burn victim, but it works so well for the character. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think it works better because, you know, you're playing with dreams you have, and this is a character that's a nightmare. You have to kind of make him feel surreal and strange and a little more off-putting than what a real burn victim would look like. It has to feel a little larger than life and a little more, you know, a little more like, what exactly am I looking at? And you kind of can't get the features right. Like, he's a demon. He's like, a, he's a supernatural monster. Yeah, I think if it looks too real, I think it, it doesn't work for what Freddy's powers are. You don't want to put, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake, you know, it's it's got a lot of supernatural stuff, but it kind of feels more like the dream world from Inception. It's a little right. too grounded. It's a little too clean, you know. Yeah. Uh, you have to be, you can't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. <laughs> so going back to the original, huge hit, like one of the biggest, most successful independent movies uh, ever made, I think, and still is like relative to budget. And made New Line as a, as an actual studio. And so they go, they dive right in on a sequel in 1985, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. And uh, that's... That's like an odd movie. Very weird. We've talked about on the, uh, like, we talked about this a lot with Michael Myers, uh, how uh, the horror villains work better when there are some rules to them. Yep. Like, and this, and this is the best example is, you know, don't fall asleep. You right. can pull, <laughs> you can pull stuff out of the dream world. You can pull people in. There's rules to this supernatural world. They, they, they hadn't figured out those rules in Freddy's Revenge. So it's <laughs> no. more about Freddy trying to possess this kid uh, yeah. and sort of come into the real world through him. And it leads to this ridiculous sequence where he's like running around a pool party, just <laughs> like things are supernaturally catching on fire, like Carrie and like <laughs> a dude like tries to talk him down. Like, dude, it's okay. You don't have to be, don't be angry. And then like, he starts killing everyone. And yeah. famously Freddy's Revenge has also got a, a, a great deal of uh, gay subtext. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen it. It's barely subtext. It's mostly text. And mostly text. Yeah. It's kind of the most interesting part of the movie. Like the lead guy gives a really interesting performance, and he's he's you know it's it's uh, it's one of the few times there's uh, a male protagonist in one of these movies. Yeah. As well. Yeah. As a as a, a male uh, final girl scream, <laughs> scream, scream king or scream queen king. or yeah. scream his his documentary he made is called scream queen so. right right <laughs> also freddy's revenge was directed by um i think his name's jack shoulder 
who did uh, later on did The Hidden. Oh, okay. And he famously, I think in the Never Sleep Again documentary, he says uh, he didn't really like the first one, which is <laughs> always a good mindset to go into a sequel. That's how you get Exorcist 2. Right, that's a John Borman. Uh... John Borman specifically <laughs> saying, I did not like The Exorcist at all. Yes, I will do Exorcist 2. <laughs> Famous lunatic, John Borman. <laughs> oh, John Borman, yeah. And yeah, so, Freddy's Revenge, kind of a stumble for the franchise. I, it's got its fans, but it definitely feels like an outlier compared to, like, 3, 4, 5, 6, and so forth. Uh, and then that led to uh, New Line trying to get Wes Craven back. Like, they didn't, they kind of just went forward with the franchise without him, and I think he was really unhappy with that. So they brought him back, and he wrote the original script with uh, co-writer Bruce Wagner. But before that, and I literally just learned this like 10 minutes ago, Will, and I'm going to share it with you. This comes from an article in Fangoria in 1986, and it's about uh, apparently when they were developing Dream Warriors, there were two other scripts that were written. I'm not sure if they were written like with the backing of New Line, right. John Saxon and Robert Englund both wrote their own scripts for a third Nightmare oh film. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have to read these. I have to find them. Would you like to hear what John Saxon's script would have been about? Yes, I do. It's called How the Nightmare on Elm Street All Began and would have been a prequel. <laughs> Freddy oh would have ultimately turned out to have been innocent or at least set up for the murders by Charles Manson. Oh my! <laughs> who along with his followers would have been the main culprit for the murders Freddie would have been forced by the mob of angry parents to make a confession of the crimes which would enrage them further after they lynch Freddie he comes back oh to avenge his wrongful death by targeting the parents children oh my god alright <laughs> I have some notes like <laughs> Manson, huh? <laughs> Wait a minute, but is 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 Sp Springville right? That's where Spring the, where the... Uh, Springwood. It's in Springwood. Uh, it's I think Ohio. Why would the what? <laughs> I I don't I don't know. It, it, it maybe it's just it, I I don't know. <laughs> it's... And then Did the Manson children go on a, a little jaunt, uh, a cross country jaunt. I, I, I mean, I would love to see a road movie with uh, Tex Watson and Big Ethel and Sexy Sadie all following <laughs> Charlie Manson around. But I think that's just the Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I think that's yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's <laughs> a Rob Zombie movie. I, I, I can't imagine anyone would be like, well, yeah, we'll go with this. It takes away all the supernatural stuff and just is a Manson movie. I, I don't know if people would want Freddy to be less than what he is. I don't think we yeah. need to go back and see only pre-murder, like pre-burning Freddy. No. Uh, so uh, thank well, you, John Saxon. We will get back to you. <laughs> uh, we also have Robert Englund's treatment called Freddy's Funhouse, where the protagonist would have been Tina Gray's older sister. Tina was the girl that's killed in the like where she's dragged up the wall and the ceiling oh, and yeah. stuff in the first yeah. one and uh it would be about uh tina's older sister coming back to springwood to investigate how her sister died and in the script freddie had claimed the 1428 elm street house for his own in the dream world setting up booby traps like nancy did uh, against him 
And uh, according to Englund, part of it later ended up being used in the pilot episode of Freddy's Nightmares after the script had been lying around unused for a few years. So that's a little closer to a sequel. Yeah, I, and I I like that idea of, like, there's real estate in the dream world that's real. It, it's in the real world. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of a cool yeah. idea. That he, it's like, like the, the, the dream world as an environment uh, that isn't just the domain of Freddy's. I think that would be... Yeah. That's interesting. That, like, it's a shared... The dream world is a shared space we all subconsciously go to. Yeah, which is, I mean, if you look at the poster for this movie, that's kind of what the poster for is implying is the movie that they're going yeah. to the dream world to do something. I mean, that's uh, what they, they planned on doing, but they get, uh, <laughs> it, it falls apart pretty quick because, yeah. uh, it's, it's only in the last like half hour of the movie that they actually get to the dream warrioring. Yeah. So, uh, those original, uh, uh, interesting ideas aside, they went to Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner who wrote the original script and, is pretty close to what the final product was. I think a lot of the characters were slightly different. I think um, Dr. Neil was younger. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Dr. Neil in a little bit. You and I have some thoughts on him. Yes. Uh, and then uh, Wes Craven wasn't going to direct. He was busy uh, working on Deadly Friend. So they brought on Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. Uh, Frank Darabont, we all know from Shawshank Redemption and Walking Dead. And Chuck Russell would go on to direct The Mask yep. and uh, the the remake of The Blob, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, uh, I, I just saw that for the first time uh, last year. And it, it that's a great movie. That's a it's great, great movie. Uh, it's underrated so 80s remake. It's yeah. some cool effects, great cast. Uh, and yeah, I think it's getting kind of rediscovered now. I think Shout yeah. Factory put out a Blu-ray of it. So. Yeah. Uh, they came on, Chuck Russell directed. It was, uh, Chuck Russell had one previous writing credit, and this was his directorial debut. He'd previously written the script for Dreamscape, as uh, it turns yes, out. Yes, So he, this was in his wheelhouse. <laughs> and I know that it was like a really tough production, and I think they changed some of the stuff on the fly, like, like character stuff, and it kind of shows. It this does, movie feels, yeah. it's dancing between the kind of straight horror of the first two and the real fantasy horror of four and five. And I'd say like four, it's maybe not a better movie, but it has better set pieces. Right. Like four has the one where the girl gets turned into a cockroach. Which that's is, right. Yeah. Which you know, is that's, really that's disturbing. kind of a famous one. Yeah. 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 You can tell like there's so many places where it feels like it's going to go in one direction and then decides to forget what it's doing and jump tracks and do something completely different. And my problem with this movie is that it's promising one thing and then it decides to sort of just do a kind of standard issue slasher. And I, I kind of want to make it clear. I like this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie, but like I, 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 there's so much promise to it that it just can't do live up to either because of budgetary reasons or whatever. But it's really a, a problem on the character level, I think. Well, they made a very strange choice for uh, who ultimately the protagonist of the film is. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, for start, let me, like, you, you bring back Nancy... Uh, from the first movie. She's now like a grad student and she's come to this asylum uh, to help these kids who are like what she knows to be the last of the Elm Street kids. And right. they're 
you know, desperately trying not to sleep. They have all these different ways of coping. One of them's on drugs. One of them, like, burns herself with cigarettes. Uh, and she works with their current, uh, I guess he's a psychiatrist, yeah. uh, Dr. Neil something? Yeah. <laughs> not Neil, not Neil Jordan. No. Uh, it's, that's that's it's... the crying game. <laughs> it's, I just call, I have him as Dr. Neil in my notes. Uh, and yeah, he is, it's like half the movie is about Nancy convincing this guy that Freddy is real and these kids are actually in danger and that comes at the end and they have like a weird sort of romance and it all, and it's like, ultimately he's the one that has to like, is the one that stops Freddie and, ha- and he has this subplot where he's meeting this nun who like tells him the or Freddie's origin and he's just the most milk toast character. He's got nothing going on. Yeah. I mean, like the only interesting thing about him is that he's well-meaning. Like he, he yeah, genuinely, like he's not a bad guy. No, like, but that's, that's it. And there's nothing, there's nothing interesting about him. And you, you, I, like halfway through my notes, I'm like, why isn't this guy and Nancy combined as the same character? <laughs> yeah. This movie is like, is like, like when you pass the torch from the old cast to like the new one, but they decided to cast someone older than the original <laughs> lead. Exactly. And it's like, this is a movie designed for teenagers. Like the main cast is teenagers. And really the, the hero is this 30 something psychiatrist. What are we doing uh, here? <laughs> yeah. We spend a lot of time with this guy at the, exp- you know, and at the expense of, a, a cast of relatively likable teen characters. Right. You know, Patricia Arquette's in this movie, and she's great. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you like all of them. You like the I like the puppeteer kid. I like uh, Roland. Yeah, you know, I, I like, like uh, you know Jennifer Rubin's great. And yeah, that's what. And that was also what I don't understand. Didn't understand either. It's like you basically have like the Breakfast Club teaming up to get to, like to take Freddie, and it's like that's your movie. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, this needed, and like, it is kind of a nightmare on Elm Street, let's call it. It's in the same neighborhood. Yes. And if that was this movie, if it was like, this movie needed some of that Goonies or Stephen King energy to it. Yeah, yeah. And and I think think Darabont and Russell were probably trying to bring that, because that's definitely, like, Frank Darabont's adapted a ton of Stephen King. Yeah. He obviously likes that kind of storytelling. But it it's yeah, and it also like I kind of forgotten how little Freddy is in this. Well, and uh, what's what I do like about it is that because there's so little of Freddy, he actually is genuinely scary when he shows up. He's scary, except they forget to modulate his voice half the time. Yeah, that that's true. So sometimes he's like this, <laughs> and sometimes he's like this. <laughs> it's sometimes in the same scene. <laughs> yeah, but. What I, like, want this movie to be is Aliens meets Dreamscape. Like, I want, like, Nancy to be Ripley and sort of getting these people together and being like, we're gonna, I'm gonna train you in how to, in how to to kill Freddy or how to fight in your dreams. And then you kind of go into the, the dream world where they're trying to rescue someone and blah, blah, blah. But, they're, like, the movie just kind of does nothing for such a, good portion of it and then by the time you start getting somewhere it's over <laughs> well and it's it's you're also all this time spent with dr neil and uh, the nun ghost right. nun that's the driver of learning how do we stop freddy 
Right. And all of that should have been on the kids and Nancy. Exactly. And, and not about learning you got a, Freddie didn't get a proper funeral and that's right. why he's so pissed <laughs> off. Well, I mean, and that's fine again, as long as like it, Nancy's the one or the kids are, are figuring it out. I mean, you start the movie and you think Patricia Arquette is going to be your main character and she's not. <laughs> no, no, she's not at all. Yeah, it's so strange. There's a lot of like the stuff in the in the uh, in in Weston Hills, the uh, uh, sanitarium. Yeah, is like a lot of that's really effective. It reminded me a lot of the um, like when it's just the kids, you know, being forced to take medication and these doctors yeah. don't believe them. And there's the there's you know the sleazy orderly and the older nurse who's kind of a doctor who's a jerk who says yeah. this is all a you're all of this is a product of your own repressed guilt. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a lot of that reminded me of like the first half of The Exorcist. Sure. When yeah, yeah, yeah. when like they're still trying to figure out what's wrong with this girl and they have her going for like spinal taps and she's like, you know, doctor well, different doctors and stuff and it's just it's kind of the scariest stuff in the movie cuz they're right. doing it to this kid. Yeah, I agree. I I it's uh yeah, and that's that's all great and like the cat and you know, the the teenagers they're all types we've seen before but they're all kind of believable they feel like real kids um and they all have like distinct personalities that you kind of pick up right away and it's and that's all through like performance and just visuals and then the movie just forgets about them to hang out with dr neil and it's like and part of it is also it's the predator 2 problem where you know you spend half the movie somebody investigating predator 2 but it's like we're seeing predator 2 we know what the problem is <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It is, it's a lot of the movie is these characters all puzzling over why these kids are committing suicide when we as the audience and Nancy as the, what should be the lead, know full well it's Freddy Krueger. Yeah, and, and, you know, again, I I feel sort of bad shitting on this movie because I genuinely like a lot of it, but it's just, it. The promise of this movie is just the movie does not live up to it. And I don't think we're shitting on it because I really like this movie. It was a fun movie to watch. Yeah. And I like, I like, I'm, I've never had the passion for the nightmare movies that I have for the Jason movies, yeah. but they are nothing if not ambitious. Yeah. And I yeah. always really like, I like this. I like one. I like three, four is fun to watch. Uh, New Nightmare is like. New Nightmare is the best of the bunch. I, th- I mean, aside from the first one, New Nightmare is just so good. Oh, yeah, I also read uh, Wes Craven had the idea for New Nightmare. That was going to be, like, Nightmare 2. Oh, wow. And the, and the studio said no. Like, that's that was, like, way too meta <laughs> for 1985. But he just kind of sat on it. And then when they kind of came back to him and said, hey, we want you to bring you back. We want to make it right. You know, I know you yeah. haven't been happy with the franchise. That's when he did New Nightmare. Which well, it, paved it, the way for Scream. Right. Well, and it's funny because I don't think New Nightmare would work quite as well uh, as the second movie. I think it only works as if Freddy has become sort of an iconic character. Yeah. It would actually, like, if you were doing it as the second movie, it would be more, it should be more like they're making a movie about Freddy Krueger. They're, they're making Stab, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And maybe that was what it was originally when he was writing it. But. This is a movie that definitely set the tone for where they wanted to go, but and it, it's, I think, based on, like, not everyone loves 4, 5, and 6, but they're leaning into the things that work in this one, because they all right. center on, like, a group of kids 
the set pieces are bigger, there's more Freddy, your adult counterparts are supporting if they're in there at all. Uh, and so like, yeah, I think what we're saying is I like nightmare three when it does that stuff, it does it probably the best of anything in the franchise, but there's not enough of it. And we're stuck with the, like with this really uninteresting protagonist who's just hanging out with John Saxon who has, he has no like real connection to John Saxon. So it doesn't make sense why they're together anyway. Yeah, It's the character. He's the character that is in the least danger throughout the entire movie. <laughs> He's yeah. never in any danger, except maybe at the end where Freddy's skeleton comes to life. I guess Freddy can do yeah. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it becomes a Jason and the Argonauts uh, skeleton, which was pretty cool. I like the yeah. stop motion. He's got the little angry <laughs> face. He's got the skeleton angry eyes, which skeletons don't really have unless they're uh, Harryhausen skeletons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of I, there's some fun stuff in this movie. There's some really cool bits. I um I love um I wish I can remember his name. Uh, the the puppeteer kid's death. That's like oh, so yeah, intense because it's, it's, it's like scary, all the other yeah. kids are screaming at him and they're trying to get someone to like some adult to, to help, help and no yeah. one will help. And it's like and he's yeah. you know sleepwalks by and you know like what he's going through is so horrific. Yeah, that's, you know, that one's great. Uh, Jennifer Rubin's death is great with the yeah, syringe with fingers. The, oh, yeah. And, well, and, like, all of her, um, her you know, the needle marks are all, like, suck it, like, all Yeah, the, the little creatures. the little track was, marks are, like, yeah, hungry yeah. mouths. Yeah. Yeah, she's, uh, she has to, she gets, has that scene with the, like, sleaze bag orderly who feels like he walked <laughs> in from a, 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 fr- a, fr- a nightmare, a, a, from a Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, toots. <laughs> I got the I I can get you that good medical high. <laughs> and I thought he was going to come back in no. some way, but he no, he just shows up to I, be a creep. I think he's leaves. just in there so we don't like him so that we wouldn't have to have Max manhandling them when Nancy and Dr. Right, Neil right. get fired cuz we like Max. We like Lawrence Fishburne, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's the only yeah. other adult in the movie that isn't a complete piece of shit. <laughs> cuz like Patricia Arquette's mom cannot be bothered oh with her she's just like i don't know she's going through teenage stuff after she tried to kill herself yeah yeah she's just she's just joined for attention oh yeah my God. what a nightmare that woman is her, her oh, bag man. is upstairs just get it i don't i don't know get out of my face <laughs> and then there's the other uh, the older doctor who's dr sims i think her name is who's just like you all are just guilty and are jerking off too much. That's why you keep committing suicide in your sleep. And and I love that they think these are suicides because okay, um, the kid jumping <laughs> off the tower. Okay, that's that could be read as a suicide. Someone the cutting one, their wrists. Like, how how did Jennifer kill herself? They find her uh, with like her head feet. hanging out of the television. Our arms at her sides, like she's stu- like she threw her head through the wall. How yeah. is that? <laughs> Someone please explain that to me. How that's a suicide? That's uh, that's the that's the uh, famous death. That's got that's the uh, that's Freddie's famous welcome to prime time, bitch. Bitch, yeah. Has his robot arms jammer into the TV. <laughs> he was ha- that's the thing. Freddie got cocky. You know, yeah. he was doing a good job of making them look like suicides. That one was that was the one. Everyone was like, I don't know, this uh, maybe something's up, something supernatural going on. <laughs> yeah, I, it, that's it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> 
at the very beginning, uh, when uh, Patricia Arquette's having her first dream, uh, she meets that little girl, and the little girl goes, Freddy's home. Where was yeah. Freddy? Does he go out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> does he have, like, gr- I mean, if it's the dream world, does he have, like, groceries and stuff that he's got to pick up? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Or or maybe he, he goes into other people's dreams and then comes back. I don't know. In, well, his boiler room, presumably, is not in the same location as the uh, 1428 Elm Street house. <laughs> so he's got to go there to, like, work on his knife, knife fingers and stuff. Right. Maybe that was it. He had to go sharpen his knives. Or maybe he was trying out other... other uh, appendages like a swiss army knife kind of thing you know yeah yeah it's true mm. he, he i mean he's very consistent with his look freddie it's true uh, freddie does not change up his look at all no like jason no. changes clothes between every movie jason <laughs> goes from like a onesie to slacks sometimes to like a jacket you know but freddie has been wearing Freddy. the same christmas sweater <laughs> He, he knows what works for him. Maybe he's got a closet like Doug. It's all just the same thing across the... <laughs> he's like a real phony. He's like aging it and pulling at it like like when you wanted to look cool so you made the rips yourself in jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's distressing the, the, the sweater at home. Oh, ah. I need them to think I'm scary. <laughs> it's too clean. Um, oh, the sink hands in the opening uh, really freaked me out too. Oh yeah, or that was yeah, good. whenever it happened, that kind of was yeah. Me out. And there's just it, it's well, none of the adults in this movie can just like talk about suicide in a healthy way. Like when when <laughs> yeah. Ph- Philip, the puppeteer kid's death afterwards, they're like, Philip was a coward. He took the easy way out. Right. Fuck him. To like <laughs> that's what he's saying in like group therapy. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's like yeah, they that were... piece of shit gave up. Yeah. oh man but there is this thing of like these no one is believing these kids right. and you would think that would lead to a second half where they are the proactive ones and they have to save the day but instead it's no it's them it's it's watching some boring ass guy realize they're right and watch him go off and save the day while they're <laughs> running around the dream world yeah, yeah, that's, uh, it just, it feels like you set up these kids, you know, with, with agency and emotions and everything, and then just sideline the interesting characters for these boring, this boring dude, and John Saxon, like. <laughs> yeah, and we love John Saxon, we're we, always we happy to see John Saxon, but that could just be John Saxon on his own. Or, or John Saxon with Nancy. I mean, which makes more sense because there's more like emotional character drama there. All the plot stuff that Dr. Neil has could be given to Nancy, maybe with help from Max. Right. Or You know, yeah. like the orderly who doesn't believe it, but he will, he'll do whatever. He'll do anything to help the kids. Right. Exactly. There's no reason to have this Dr. Neil character. And I like I spent most of the time this rewatch because it, it hadn't really occurred to me until this one that this, this guy was the protagonist, because I had always remembered Nancy being sort of the, the one who comes in and helps the other kids. I had forgotten completely about this dude. So like... No, yeah, it's crazy. Nancy is like uh, like Sidney Prescott in the new Scream. Like, she's she's there, but she's not the lead. She's just there to, like, impart advice. She's yeah. the David Arquette of this movie. And, and like, and you... And again, it's like the movie sets it up that, like, she's going to help the kids become the quote-unquote dream warriors when you know patricia arquette pulls her into the dream which i thought was like a genuinely fun twist on sort of what they had set up in the first movie yeah Um, teeing up that they have like oh it turns out that 
some people have powers in the dream. Maybe if you've been visited by a dream demon, if you've been pulled into that world, it changes you. But it, they instead kind of do... Everything's just... And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give, I'm, I'm gonna assume like this was a movie that definitely, you know, it was New Line, not a big budget. I'm sure they had yeah. bigger ambitions with what they wanted to do and were limited by their resources. But it is kind of like they kind of brush off that everyone has superpowers by just like that's how they see themselves in the dream world. Right. Exactly. I'm bad, but I'm also beautiful. Jennifer yeah. Rubens. That was pretty great. I am the Wizard Master. <laughs> Yeah, it, this is actually of, you know, this is actually a movie that I think you could remake now um, with a bigger budget and, you know, as a legacy Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. Oh, 100%. I would love to see them because Robert England is still with us. I think he said he's not probably not going to play Freddy again just because it's yeah. physically really tough, but you could write it so Freddy isn't always running around. Like, he yeah. can be more... Like, maybe he's, his powers are fading, but he wants to do as much damage as possible before he leaves, before he, he fades into oblivion. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, what, give it, like, let's, like, I want the the cell with Freddy Krueger. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I kind of, the, the movie promises. And, like, this idea that you have to go into Freddy's world and deal with, like, Freddy's shit to, like, rescue a kid he's kidnapped in the dream world or whatever. And, like, really, like just go to town on the horror fantasy stuff. I mean, it probably would make it more like a Clive Barker thing, but who cares? That would be really fun and, like, interesting, and I don't know. Well, and, just... and and the Nightmare movies never play, are never playing for the same kind of scares as Halloween or, yeah. you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're always gonna, they've always had a fantasy element to them, and they've just hyped that, heightened that even more, and heightened the humor as Freddy became, like, a pop culture icon. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it, and I think all of that's fine. All of that can be in there. You'd be a fool to, to like try and underutilize Robert Englund. Cause like yeah. every single, even a uh, new nightmare, he's got like uh, a sense of humor and that's probably the one where he's the most menacing. Yeah. This movie has some great, the boiler room set at the end with oh, all yeah. like where, with where Joey's tied up by the tongues. Like that mm -hmm. stuff's great. I, you know, I just want more of that. And I wish, that Nightmare 3 maybe had some of the budgetary, like, scale of 4, 5, and 6, which get yeah. to be progressively goofier as they go on. <laughs> yeah. Which one is the one with Brecken Meyer and the video uh, game? Is that, that is five? That's 6. That's, that's six. Freddy's okay. Dead, The Final Nightmare. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> Brecken Meyer's in that, Yafet Koto, um, and uh, 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 cameos from Roseanne and Tom Arnold. Of course. Why? Who apparently Why? had sex on the set. I learned that in the uh, Never Sleep Again documentary. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the one that, like, if you see it going into it knowing it's, like, essentially a comedy, he, he like, Freddy basically kills them, like, with Looney Tunes stuff. Right. Like, yeah. like, the kid who's got the hearing aid, he just starts scratching his fingers on things and, and like, gives him, like, a demonic hearing aid that makes his head explode. Like, really goofy <laughs> shit like that. Like a kid's falling out of the sky. You see Freddy drag in like a bed of spikes. You know, oh, he's he's basically, yeah. you know, Wiley e. Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, three, four, and five kind of follow the same or like have a connective thread because the survivors of this come back in four 
like the the kids at That's least. Right. It's, it's they recast That's Patricia Arquette and they brought back Joey and Kincaid, and then they all get killed off in the first act. But uh, of course, <laughs> and set up these new characters that you then follow into part five. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's been a real long time since I've seen those, and I'm not entirely certain I saw all them all the way through or just watched them on TV. It's the series I've seen the least of, yeah. of the big slasher series. I think the ones I've seen the most are the ones that involve Wes Craven in some level. <laughs> yeah. So like 1, 3, and New Nightmare. New Nightmare. Yeah, that's the same here. I've seen, I've seen 1 and 3 and New Nightmare a, a bunch, although I clearly just didn't remember a whole lot about this movie until this rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have nothing but fond memories of watching this, and it's not one I watched growing up. I, we watched it yeah. like post-college, I think. Yeah, no. I... I it's the perils of watching something with a critical eye. You're going to, like, yeah, dissect it, and that kind of kills the fun a little bit. If I was just watching this, if you and I were just watching this with pizzas and beer, I think we'd have a fine time. It was, it was, It's a fun movie. I think we, oh, yeah. by being critical of it, it seems like we're selling it short. Yeah, but no, I, I, this is This is an essential Freddy movie. Yeah, and yeah, and like even you know looking at it with a critical eye and being annoyed at some of the the character choices, like it's you know maybe eighty nine minutes long. Like it yeah, is super I mean short it's a breeze. And it, and it's it never wastes bo- no time. Yeah, and it's never yeah, boring. It's not boring. It's it's just yeah. you're you're more like I like that. Give me more of that. Why are we going back to this guy? Why are we watching <laughs> this guy talk to this nun in an attic? Yeah, and that's something that's sort of interesting as, like, a part three is you get Freddy's backstory or, like, back-backstory. Uh, you get the, the story of his birth, um, which is super distressing and weird and, like, uh, problematic is a good way oh. to, to explain it. <laughs> the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Uh, maniacs. They, they show it in, I think, five. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it's like they, it's like the nun, the young nun trapped in this like Arkham Asylum area, basically. And apparently they just hired every weirdo performance artist they could find to just do their thing. But like in that sequence, they keep kind of, as she's getting like mobbed by, you know, these uh, patients, uh, they keep kind of closing in on one of them is Robert Englund. Oh. Like one of them's played by Robert, so so he's the bad one. <laughs> he's he's the one that uh, that oh boy, but but it is it is kind of it does follow the thing that Jamie Kennedy laid out that in the third movie it goes sort of you know you find out deep lore about the you know about the world or the characters and it's something that we've seen in this podcast you know a lot in these movies oh sure yeah the third movie goes back to the beginning where you learn all sorts of new things. <laughs> And and unfortunately, that might have been like one element too many because every single one of these movies, like, comes up with some new convoluted way to stop Freddy. Right. And you know, it, it's and it some of them like expand the mythology, and you know, like part six has the dream demons and the special Freddy glasses that you have to wear to go into the dream world, which are like that was the put on your three D glasses now right, moment right, in right, the theaters. Right, right. <laughs> You know, absolutely expanded a bit, uh, but I just wish that had been that those plot points had been tied in with Nancy and the Dream Warriors. Right. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's the big problem is that there is because, yeah, that like you said, that poster shows them all like facing down Freddy and you never get that moment where all of the kids stand up to Freddy. 
Right. Which is what, and it, which is what you want, but then it's, it's structured so much like a kind of generic slasher. Um, and it just, it, again, the movie just promises for it to be something so much more and it just, it's just not. Yeah. <laughs> Like you, you want them to stand up to Freddy the way the kid, the the the, the losers stand up to Pennywise. You want exactly. that ending. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's all. And yeah, I think the movie needed more of that Goonies, Monster Squad, Stephen King '80s kid horror movie energy. And it, there's just not enough of that. Uh, it so like, and that, and that might be why this movie isn't necessarily spoken of on the same level as those other ones. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it, it's just, it's a movie that doesn't live up to its its promise. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, the song is really kind of what, what makes the movie uh, in a lot of ways, because the song is so cool that you think that that's what the movie is. <laughs> and, that's the, and that's the thing with Freddy, uh, like the, 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 the nightmare movies, is I think we all, we love Freddy, and everyone has like their famous like famous like set piece, but yeah. not like it's. There's rarely any consensus on like what's the best movie in the series, besides maybe the first one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and for me, I think it's really the first one in New Nightmare, and I think part of that is because I like um, uh, Nancy so much, and I like you know I like her, and I like Heather Langenkamp so much that. Um, that I, that's probably why. <laughs> you, li- you like the Langenkamp movies. Yeah. You, you want more yeah. Nancy in this to complete the trilogy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I like Freddy versus Jason. Oh, yeah, I, I should say, but that's kind of its own thing. And it, it it's I mean, it's the last one Robert Englund's done. Uh, that's right. I would I would love to see him do one more. Like yeah. one, like I you don't need more Halloweens. If you're if they're gonna do Friday the Thirteenth again, it's probably gonna be another reboot. This is one where you could pretty easily make a legacy sequel, even if you don't bring back any characters. No, absolutely. I mean, I think just the concept is so strong that you could you could do it, and I think you could probably get a decent sized budget now. I mean, even oh, if sure. you were making even if you were just making this for like. Netflix or you know HBO Max or whatever, you could probably get a decent sized budget and and oh totally know, and then go go to town. It's existing yeah. IP with like the most iconic character in horror. I, yeah. I mean, if they 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 made a text a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Netflix put that out, they're yeah. the Halloween movies were a huge success. I think it's just I mean, you and I both know. Somewhere, someone somewhere at New Line. It's trying to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. they're they've got it on the board, and yeah. you know they've got Robert Englund's agent's number to call him. But it's just I, I just try to ditch the like slasher, you know, the slasher elements of it, and make it like a true like horror fantasy thing. Yeah, uh, where you but going like in, in, but you... keep the rated R like gore. Oh, yeah. I think it's the gore you want the slasher. The 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 rated R tropes of a slasher movie, right? And yeah, because I, it's a singular villain, it gets lumped in with slashers more so than it does with like the likes of Hellraiser or something like that. Right. Yeah. I just I just mean make it more going into this other world uh, as opposed to sort of here are these group of characters who are getting picked off one by one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 But I will say, still a fun watch. 
I had a oh, good yeah. time. Again, yeah. I, I like. I, there's nothing I can. I, I really, really want to hammer the point home. I like this movie a lot. We're, <laughs> we're dissecting and criticizing this movie out of love because yeah, exactly. there's some because the parts of it that we like, we love them, and the parts exactly. of it we don't like, we don't hate. We just no. wish there was more of what we love. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's no. There's nothing in it that is that. Uh, I mean, because I think. I mean, you and I. I think feel the same way is that when a movie is bad, it's really just boring, you know? Yeah. And when a movie is boring, that's when it's truly awful. And this is, this was not boring in the least. And I think one of the things that the Freddy movies have going for them is that none of them are really all that boring. Yeah. They're very, all visually very inventive. They have a captivating villain. They always have very likable protagonists for the most part. And, uh, you know, I think that's their strength. That's why they do stand apart, whereas I think unless you know the franchise inside and out like I do, the Jason movies might all blend together a little bit. Yeah, which is how they feel for me, but we'll we'll talk about them when we get to... Oh, yeah. I mean... That one. It's, an, it's another 85-minute movie. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. You'll, oh, yeah, you'll they're be all fine. very short, yeah. yeah Friday the 13th 3D short. is is a breeze. That shouldn't be too tough for you. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I guess Will, uh, you y- did better every time with every movie you pick. Well, uh, uh, don't don't put too much on me, because uh, you know the next time it could be it could be Riddick. I could be choosing Riddick, Sam. Yeah, but that's different because you know Riddick is bad. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. not like I know I know that Riddick. Riddick you you want to talk about boring? The worst part, worst kind of movie is a boring <laughs> one. That's Riddick. I, I'm yeah. sorry, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, I I think uh, I think this one's absolutely worth watching if you're going if you're watching the the nightmare movies or if you just watch one and want to skip two. I think you should watch too. It's kind of a weird, fun movie, but um, but definitely if you're going through the nightmare movies, this one is one to watch. Eighties horror. This is also one to watch too. It's pretty. It's pretty important yeah. on that level. And as yeah. part threes go, it's definitely the one where the franchise kind of figured out the things they like that would become the formula for the next three or so movies go through the like the bulk of the main continuity of uh yeah. freddy movies like this was yeah. the tone setter and rightfully yeah. so because the stuff in it that works works really well works really well yeah exactly so um so now it's my turn to pick for next that's week. right yeah and um and we do a lot of horror but i think i'm gonna do pick a horror movie but okay. uh we're gonna kick it old school will we're going way back we're going back to the 1930s this might be the oldest movie that we're, we're going to watch. I want to watch Universal Studios' Son of Frankenstein. Cool. I've actually never seen it, so this will be a first-time watch for me. That'll be great. A lot of people haven't. It's So, yeah, obviously, Universal Monsters. You got Dracula. You got Frankenstein. You got the Wolfman. You got the Invisible Man. Frankenstein's one of the most famous ones. It's one of the best ones. Bride of Frankenstein is also very famous and very weird, both by James <laughs> Whale. Uh, yeah. But less people know Son of Frankenstein. And it's such an interesting movie because it's a different director. I, I, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's like a working workman, like one of those like early 20th century guys who's got like 50 credits across right. the yeah. 40s and like 30s and 40s. And it's got like 
the horror trifecta in it because it's got Boris Karloff, Basil Rathbone, and Bella Lugosi. So you got, and it's one of Bella Lugosi's best performances. Oh, okay. Like when you see it, you're gonna see how much of this movie informs Young Frankenstein. Okay. Like as, as like they took so much of Mel Brooks took so much of Son of Frankenstein and put it in into Young Young Frankenstein. It's gonna make you. It's gonna delight you. It's also an oddball because it's like the only Universal monster movie that isn't like sixty minutes long. It's actually like an hour and forty minutes. It's like a real movie length. Hey, great! I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Some beautiful set designs too. Like it's it, be, it they go back to like German expressionism with like some of the set pieces. It's yeah, I, I it's just an interesting one from an era where they made a lot of sequels, but clearly no one really was sure how to make a sequel yet right so yeah. like we'll we'll go back to like when the first era of shared universe uh franchising so <laughs> that'll be fun that's great I'm and excited. then after that it'll be your pick again so i recommend you start thinking about it now yeah i think mine's my next pick will be actually pretty good yeah It'll well you're a on it you're pick. on an upward climb you're yeah, you're, it, you're but but sam it's just you go up so high and you just come right back down it's like icarus right the the no. wings are eventually no. gonna melt I, off I, and... i'm not having it this this next one this is your born to run like <laughs> springsteen didn't hit it big till his third studio album man yeah i guess <laughs> you know you're gonna get there man the next movie you pick i believe in you it's gonna have like a sick three minute saxophone solo whoa that's that's a tall order. Well, then I gotta I gotta try and and search for. This one. is the path I've put you on. You are the you are the Bruce Springsteen of this podcast. <laughs> and my next pick, Sam, is going to be Species Three. <laughs> no, it's it's not. That's not going to be my next pick. Is anyone in that movie? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I've only I don't have any. Did even they get seen Did Species they get Michael two? Madsen back for the third one? <laughs> oh, the era of direct to DVD movies that. You know, I guess now is just direct to streaming. Yeah, pretty much. Even real movies are direct to streaming. <laughs> it's true. There's no, uh, <laughs> there's they, no that, distinction that, between that Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot just went straight to Netflix, and I think they at least thought that was going to be a real movie. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you got to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I know, I know. I gotta actually watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. I have to admit, I've never seen. Oh, you never seen it? Well, we'll get to it. We'll you, when we get to Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. Not to be confused with Leatherface that came much later. Right. Uh, you can watch the first two as well. That'll you give know. you uh, context, maybe, sort of, <laughs> not really. Yeah, it was one of those that was like always. Uh, when it was written about, it was always like, this is the scariest fucking movie you've ever seen. And I was always too much of a wimp to like check it out when I was younger. And then it just kind of fell out of my, my orbit. I'd put it up there with Night of the Living Dead as like, you know, it's a product of its time. But yeah. I will also say it looks like a snuff film for most of it. <laughs> and yeah. it's effective. And part two, to Toby Hooper's credit, is not trying to play the hits. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to go in a completely different direction. <laughs> it, Texas Chainsaw awesome. Massacre 1 and 2 is basically if someone made Night of the Living Dead for their first movie and then Evil Dead 2 for the sequel. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Even better. You Even will not better. be disappointed. Uh, but <sighs> now that we've spent all that time talking about... Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. I hope you get a chance to check out 
a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Not Nightmare on Elm Street 3 The Dream Warriors. They they dropped the the, <laughs> which I had to keep correcting myself when searching for it. But yes, as always, thank you all for listening. You can check us out on Twitter at uh, Podcast Part 3. That's the number three. And uh, Will, any anything to say before we sign off? In my dreams, I am beautiful, but also bad. I am the wizard master. I am the wizard master. I guess that's what I should have done with my nasally voice. Oh, well. well that's, I'll do your nasally voice for you. Yeah, what you are friends for? <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a good night. See you next week. Bye.